that the sons of God saw were in Genesis 6, 2, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wise of all which they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were men of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let's pause for a moment. I want to pray that you bless the reading of your word to our hearts. Let's pray together. I pray that we would, Lord, have our mind in sync with you. Lord, that we will be uh, listening to your spirit. Lord, it is a difficult passage. It is a difficult thing to listen to at times, perhaps. But Lord, it is the prophecy of how you connected the days of Noah with your return to rule and to reign are very clear. Matter of fact, you said them this yourselves, yourself. So Lord, may we be thinking clearly this day. Help me, Lord. I, I Forgive me of sin. Empty me of self. Please fill me with your spirit this day. May I be in tune with you. Bless those teaching downstairs and ask all these things in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we, we, I was looking at a, reading a book that Mrs. McClure let me borrow for a little while uh, called from Robert Jeffress uh, called We Are Living in the End Times. In 160 AD, Monotna said the New Jerusalem was about to descend. In 1000 AD, many clerics, religious leaders, predicted that Christ was returned. Pope Innocent III added up and figured out Christ is returning in 1284. Christopher Columbus said the end of the world was happening by 1656 or 1658. William Miller in 1831 predicted on March the 21st, 1844, and then later missed that one and predicted again October 22nd, 1844. That's called in history the Great Disappointment. Charles Taz Russell of the Jehovah's Witnesses predicted that Christ would come in 1914. And Harold Camping most recently, 13 times predicted Christ's return. He missed them all. The last one was October 2111. His ministry spent $100 million promoting 13 wrong predictions of Christ's return. I can think of a whole lot better use of a hundred million. How many Bibles that would buy with Gideon's a hundred million dollars? Woo! So there's been a lot of misconstruing. I am never going to, Lord really never ever going to set a date, but I can say this, he's coming back. He is going to come back to rule and to reign. First of all, he's coming back for his church. This, this period, Genesis chapter 6, tie it with Matthew 24, Jesus said, as in the, the, his return is going to be like the days of Noah. And so we're going to look at the days of Noah. It was a time of gross apostasy, number two, Genesis 6, 5, days of godless anarchy. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his heart, thought of his heart, was only evil continually. That word imagination there means to shape like, like a potter. They, they were coming up with ideas shaping their ideas, spawned and molded by man. That sounds something familiar like today. Now, the, the, when Christ comes back to rule and to reign, that is during the tribulation time. We're waiting for the rapture of the church when he comes back at any moment. Someone just said to me after watching the news, he said to his wife, I believe it was, hey, we, we, might be, he might come, we won't be sitting on the couch tomorrow when he comes back. Look around. Look how Israel is doing when fighting, etc." I was reading just that same book last night, and we talked about Ezekiel 38. 
And I've always felt that in Revelation 20, verse 4, when it says many were beheaded for Christ, I always thought that was a guillotine. He says he doesn't think so. He thinks the Islamic world will have raised himself to such an extent. And you know, that's very popular with the Islamic world is to behead the Christians. Started all the way back with Muhammad. 600 Jewish men would not go to war with him, so he beheaded them all in the 600s A.D., and so that's the radical Islamic mindset. So perhaps if he is right, wow. I've always thought Ezekiel 38 had to start at least at the very beginning of the tribulation for it to all pan out. He says he thinks, believes it's later on. That we could be on the cusp. Is not radical Islam poised to run Rashad over Israel or try to? And you remember in 38 how God rescues them and they know it was God. That rescued them. Read it for yourself. Ezekiel 38 and 39. This is a genre of, of gross apostasy, also of godless anarchy. Uh, you want to see godless anarchy? Turn for just a moment to Romans chapter 1. If you would there, please. Godless anarchy. Paul very clearly. This is such an important passage. It deserves about a whole series by itself. Romans 1. But we'll just, just read through it for just a moment. Romans 1, 21. Three steps God gives them over. First of all, the first verse is there in Romans 1, 21 through 25. It says, For it's because that when they knew not God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like an incorruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to their uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. That describes, I think, a lot of the world society today. Guyanism, the worship of the earth. The, the, uh, in Davos, Switzerland, every January, I think it is, that is the World Economic Forum. And I just watched a video from the World Economic Forum. It seems pretty innocuous if you watch the right video. But they are regressive spiritually. They believe in the worship of the earth. And they, you can find a video where the one lady is walking and dancing and things as the earth. And she leaves her saliva on the foreheads of the people who are watching. And these are the wealthy elite who have digressed in the worshiping animism and the old spirit worship. There's nothing new under the sun. God has not changed. He, that's the one word of worship. And when you digress any prayer from worshiping the one true living God, you're going to go downhill. Society goes downhill. By the way, the World Economic Forum wants to control your life. And they've, they've got a pretty good start. We are to stand firm on what the God has said to us. But what happens when a, when a, when a nation, for example, takes... God out of the schools, no more prayer, no more Bible reading, no more Ten Commandments on the walls. We're teaching evolution. We're taught that we're germinated from out of the goo into the zoo, which became you. And we're taught these things. It's evil beyond evil. To allow a child to somehow have these life-changing, altering surgeries to change their gender, which God, by the way, gave them that. It's a rebellion against God. Oh, pastor, get off your... I'm just telling you, it's a rebellion against God. It is. We are Now, by the way, we are to love. And we are to show Christ's love, even to the Islamic person. They're not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Now, I'm not, you are to defend yourself, yes. 
The real enemy is Satan. We, we somehow, well, I would, I'll, I'll witness to this person, that, but, but those, those, and those, well, they don't deserve to be witnessed to, neither do you and I. We're only by God's grace have we heard the gospel. Our world has become so pornographic. Miss Judy and I were talking about just yesterday about the cell phone trying to decide. I said, I don't think, I think for the most part it's been bad for our culture. Now, there are a few things it really helps with, but for the most part, bad for our culture. Pornography accounts for 35% of all internet downloads in America. 40 million Americans regularly watch porn sites. There's estimated 103 large pornographic sites in the United States. Research shows 91.5 of men, percent of men, 91 and a half percentage of men and 60.2 percentage of women in America watch pornographic videos. 91.2% one study says. If you just listen to Zuckerberg this past week in front of the Judiciary Committee, did you happen to notice that he mentioned that they have flagged 27.2 million instances of child abuse, sexual, child sexual abuse? 27.2 million. Just one company. You think we're not in a, we have been we're under a, it's a war. It's a spiritual war for our children, our homes, our family, our nation. Porn feeds people's insatiable lust. Step number two comes in verse 26. If you're still over in Romans and still awake with me, Romans chapter 1, verse 26, you would there please. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. For what cause? The cause in verse 25. I calls back in 25. They exchanged the truth for a lie. For this cause, lesbianism, interesting how the, the women typically in cultures are the last ones to become degraded like that. But there's something in nurturing in a mother's uh, psyche, if you would, instinct, a protective instinct there. But somehow we, we've given ourselves over, this culture has, to vile affections. Verse 27. Likewise also the men. Leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust one toward another, men working with men that which was unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their heir, which was meat. Homosexuality. Sanctioned, by the way, homosexual marriage has been sanctioned in 2015 by the United States Supreme Court. And so that overrules God, right? Wrong. It doesn't. It doesn't. Man can make all the laws they want, but God's truth stands Mankind will go the way of the dodo bird, if you will, but God's word will stand. It will. The Pope now has most recently gotten in the news because he says now the Catholic Church must start agreeing with same-sex blessing and has caused a schism in the Catholic Church, as you well know, if you listen to the news at all. But in America, in America, do you know, in America, 71% of Americans approve of same-sex relationships now. 71%. 71%. 21% of Generation Zs, and as high as I read one, was almost 30% of Generation Z say they are LGBTQIA+, something on there. We are confused. We are confused. What, what, is, is, there, is there any absolute truth? Yes. Like the billboard that says, uh, just make up your mind that you cannot make up your mind. No. We can make up our mind. It's God's word. Must be held forth. So now we're teaching our young people to embrace everything they want to do. It's all about you. Well, it's not all about you. 
The sun does not revolve around you or me. The sun revolves around the sun. He's the one upholding all things by the word of his power. He's helping. He's holding everything together. He's holding you together. The third step then is in verse 28. Step three. 128 of Romans. And even, they, even, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. What, what involves a reprobate mind? Well, in verse 29, in case you're wondering, I'm glad you did not ask, but I'll read anyway. Unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, deceitful, uh, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. You want to know what our society, I mean, this society looks like? You want to know what our society is looking like? It's right there in black and white for us to read. We need to pray for revival. Starting in the church and spill over to the world. It's in that word reprobate in 28 is dokimos, which means that word dokimos means tested or proven to be pure. But this has the alpha prefix in front of it, so it's adokimos. So it's not what is tested, it's actually impure. It's, it's depraved, it's reprobate, it's useless. The Russian Bible, from what I understand, calls it the upside-down mind. Does that not like really hit right where we are? The upside-down mind in America, what's good is now bad, and what's bad is now good, and people are so confused, and, and we've been told so many things that are erroneous, contrary to God's word. People just, they're just so confused. They need to be reading God's word. Aren't you glad that God's not the author of confusion? His word is... Powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, pastor, we just make more laws. That's not the answer. We've got so many laws on the books we don't follow with now. We need to turn. There needs to be a spiritual revival in America. I really believe that. So why are we connecting these? Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah... So shall it be when he comes again in Matthew 24. We'll read it in a few months. When he comes back to rule and to reign. Similarly, and these angels, similarly, in Genesis chapter 6, went outside the normal bounds of their estate and got involved, I believe, with women, etc., in some capacity. And giants were a result of that. But the, the society was evil, wicked. They went beyond the natural things. Sodom, beyond the natural things. When's the last time you heard that called sodomy? By the way, in, in, in America, until the last couple of decades, it was on almost every book. And that's what it was called. It still is called to that today, probably in legal jargon, but because Sodom, that's where it comes from. I mean, again, we need to pray for those who are caught up in that. Doesn't mean we throw them all under the bus and say, well, we need to. Only by God's grace, there goes you and I. Canada just—they were going to make a law. They were going to make a law that people with mental illness can now say they want to be assisted suicide. They've now pushed it back until 2027 because it's wrong. It's just plain wrong. It's called murdering yourself. No, they're pushing it back because the healthcare system's not quite ready for that. But in 2027, if you have a mental illness and you say you want to die, okay, we'll help you do that. Whatever happened to the sanctity of human life? Whether you are a day 
old in the womb or a hundred. And Gary told me he had his mom's sisters lived one to 101, I think one to 103, 104. Two of them over a hundred years old. Whether you're 104 or four days old in the womb, there should be the sanctity of human life, period. We've lost that in America. I just wonder if there's going to be anyone who wants public office nationally who's ever really truly going to be like me and you. Just wonder. I think there are some in the lower, smaller, but anyone in the national office is pretty much going to have to jettison the what I call the biblical view of the sanctity of life in order to have any kind of chance to be elected to what? A people who are rebellion against God? Do you want to be a... Listen, now, uh, we need to pray. Absolutely. But no party's the answer. God is the answer. That's who the answer is. It's when people get right with God. So the days of gross apostasy, if you're jotting your outline down, days of godless anarchy, and the title of the message, days of great apathy. Days of great apathy. I remember 1979, I walked into my first dorm room. I had Tim Jane's brother was in there. Tom Wallace's son, Tim, was one of two of my roommates. And he walks in, David says, you know, some people say I'm apathetic. I just don't care. And, I, of course, as a freshman, I thought, you know, seniors knew everything. And I didn't, I didn't even get it for a long time, what, that, what, what he was saying. So they broke me in pretty well as a freshman uh, in the, the dorm about uh, who is who and who's not who. I remember coming into my office, uh, the room, and Tom Wallace, Dr. Wallace, was sitting in one the desk in our little podunk room there in the dorm. It was studying something. And so may, you may not know the name Tom Wallace, but he's been a part of our uh, Churches for many, many years. Great apathy. What, what is apathy? It, it, it's a part of our culture today. Apathy, according to the dictionary, is a lack of interest, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of concern, uninterested in relationships, unmotivated to work. Now, that's me some days. Empty feeling, and you don't know why. Someone who's not interested in accepting or rejecting any claim that God exists or does not exist. Did you realize, you probably didn't know this because you haven't been studying uh, this particular topic, but in the U.S. in 2021, for the first time ever, the U.S., more people did not belong to a church or synagogue than belonged. Up until that point, more than 50% belonged to a church and synagogue. Now, since 21, less than half of Americans now have any belonging to any type of all types. We just have, we've lost the importance. We've become apathetic to the church. How many people in, in Boyd and Greenup and Scioto counties are in church compared to how many are not in church today? Pastor, it takes work to come. It took work for God to come down from, the, from heaven to live our sinless life and to die on the cross for you. We're the whole realm of nature, mind. That's a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. And it will be worth it all when we see Christ. What you've done for eternity, that's what matters. All the collecting of things. You, I saw a guy, on, on, I was, and he had all these games and all these, all the, a whole game room down in his house. He's playing all these things and all these collections of everything. What's that going to matter in eternity? Not trying to boohoo that, but nothing. But I grew in the Lord. I pointed people to Christ. I took people to church. I, I prayed, I loved my wife, I loved my husband, I trained my children upright, and I honored God with my life. Now that's what we're talking about, making the difference. Do not be afraid to be forgettable, Christian. 
Do not be afraid to be forgettable. May others see Jesus in us. Great apathy. It says in Genesis chapter 3, if you want to go back over there with me, Genesis chapter 3, it says in verse 6, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 3, sorry, 6, verse 3, Genesis 6, I haven't changed chapters on you, sorry, 6, verse 3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. They pastor, he's telling them they're going to live to be 120, no, he's not telling them they're going to live to be 120, he's saying you got 120 years to get right. I'm saying this morning, you may not have two hours to get right. The time is now. Time is now. Strive to, to be patient with. God's possibly pulling and tugging at your heart right now. Perhaps you, there's a decision, a spiritual decision you know you need to make, or you've been struggling with it for weeks and weeks or months and months or years and years, or perhaps just for today. That's, he, he's striving. The Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, he's, he's squeezing you. If you're an unbeliever, he's convicting you. You need to come to me. He loved you so much he gave his life for you. It's sad that people across the world who are born again never, but, they, uh, but there are people across the world who think they are born again, but when the greatest shock they're going to have is when Christ comes back and they're left behind, left here. Again, God's not saying you live to be 120. He's saying you have 120 years. Oh, but pastor, what, what was going on during that time? Well, it says in 2 Peter 2, 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth, pre, uh, eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. So while Noah was a pounder, he was a preaching. Maybe not the exact same moment, because they probably couldn't hear him, unless they had a microphone, which I can't imagine they have a microphone system. Boom, boom. Repent ye. Let me just tell you about, he was a preacher. Perhaps he took it during lunch breaks. How many listen? It's like, oh, there goes Noah again. Then no, don't start yawning. There goes Noah again. He's, he's preaching. He's off his rocker. Well, we'll come back when he's working. Uh, perhaps he had hired a labor force to help him build the ark. No one, we don't know. He made them. We don't know. But it's like people today, church. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, fishing. Now I like to fish. It's a beautiful morning. If you're down in Florida, this is about the premier time to start fishing. February in Florida, when it's warmer and the big bass are going to bite. Well, it's, oh, i got to go fishing. What about church? Well, you know, God knows my heart, and I can worship the Lord on the lake. Now, you might, you might be able to pray on the lake. He's not called you to fish for fish. He's called you to fish for men. He didn't say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves on Bass Pro Shop's parking lot and then to the Bass Pro Shop fishing hole and on this lake. He didn't say assembly. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in church, as the manner of some is. And the more so as you see the day approaching. We should be more about church, not less, as we see the day approaching. God was not hiding his attention. Turn with me, please, to Matthew 24, please. Matthew 24, 37. He's not hiding his attention. God intends to bring this judgment, this flood. God intends to rapture his church. God intends to bring the tribulation time. And then God intends to come back to rule and to reign. Where do you find that preacher? Right in this little black book that is God's book, his love letter to you. He intends to do that and people are going to say, hey, God never told us. He told you. He's told you. And you've heard it possibly on your radio. If you've been in church, you've heard it from the preacher. He's told us. He's coming back. 
24. 37, 24 of Matthew 24, 37. It says, For as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's not that they were marrying and divorcing. It's not that at all. I think the very emphasis is they were eating, drinking their diet due, marrying, offer people in marriage, getting married, having family. They were, they were doing the normal things that people do. They weren't looking for God to come back in judgment. He's going to come back in righteous judgment. We had our first chance when he came back as a babe in the manger. The Jews could have put him on the throne right then. They did not. That was our chance, human beings. When he comes back, the lion will roar out of Zion. He will come back as king of kings, lord of lords. Every knee shall bow. Eventually, by the time we get to the great white throne judgment, that'll be the last bowing, I believe. Every knee will bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. It's going to happen. It says in 40, continuing on, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding in the meal, 2441. The one shall be taken, the other left. Watch ye therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But, but pastor, look what it says here. It says that two shall be in the field and one shall be taken, one shall be left. This is not the rapture. We were, if you remember Larry Norman, he wrote this song for uh, A Thief in the Night. Man and wife asleep in bed. He hears, hears an order and turns his head. She's gone. I wish they'd all been ready. The hoppers have sung it. Larry Norman sung etc. That's fine for the rapture of the church. This is not about the rapture of the church in 2440. Two shall be in the field. The one shall be taken. The other left. The one that's left is the one following, going into Christ's kingdom. The one taken is the one who's going to be cast into judgment at the, when he returns. When he returns, those who have followed him have, not, have, have followed him all the way through the tribulation time are going to enter the kingdom having first... Trusted God all the way, they somehow escaped the, the beheading one way or the other, and they've trusted Christ. Don't be confusing. At the rapture of the church, those who are snatched away, they're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. If you know Christ, you're going to heaven when he comes back for his church. But when he comes back to rule and to reign, those who have rejected him are going to be removed from the earth, cast into the hell to wait the final judgment. And those who are alive, are going to go into the millennial kingdom. It's, it's like Noah. In Noah's day, you had those who rejected Christ and they were completely destroyed. And you had Noah who trusted Christ on the ark. And when he comes out, there's a new world for him to inhabit and to use. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Tribulation saints survive this murderous acts of the Antichrist, his regime. The Old Testament saints resurrected to close the tribulation time. Christians, the church, etc. It's going to be a wonderful time of service. Interesting, in Luke, the parallel passage in Luke, it says, Two women shall be grinding together at 1735. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. And they answered and said, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered. God's great uh, uh, 
garbage cans, if you would. There are 23 species of vultures in the world. They, have, they must have great immune systems, I'm thinking, because they, all they eat is garbage and they thrive, it seems, vultures. They're going to have a, a huge feast at this time. You just read it for yourself, Revelation 19. So those carried away in judgment are going to be the unbelievers and those who stay on earth or go through the, the uh, sheep and goats judgment. They follow Christ. They're going to go into the millennium and serve him those thousand years, etc. And many of them, I think, will have children, etc. But you do not want to be left behind. Uh, a lady took that uh, song I mentioned earlier, Wish We'd All Been Ready, and used that as part of the Left Behind series there in one of the, end of the, one of the movies, I think it was. But what they were doing, I, I do an issue, and what I want to urge upon you is this. They were living as if nothing's going to happen, and I'm going to have tomorrow, and next week, and next month, and next year. We need to wake up. If you don't know Christ, you need to wake up. Well, three things as we finish off. I know I'll be ready for Christ's return. First of all, I'm not shaped by the culture of the world. I will know I'm ready for Christ's return if I'm not being shaped by the culture now, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. What God says, more and more people oppose our value system. We are becoming less. We're becoming more and more on the fringe without moving an inch. We're becoming more and more We're on the fringe. Do you know that there are people who just got uh, tried in Tennessee who were standing on the walls of an abortion clinic and praying, sentenced to 10 years in prison because they were standing on the walls, on the halls of an abortion clinic, praying for the people who were going in 10 years in prison? Upside-down mind. Upside-down mind. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. No one else may, but you and I need to set in our minds, I'm going to obey, I'm going to walk with God. What's the driving passion of your heart today? It should be to become more like Jesus, Christian. If you're here without Christ, it needs to be. I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior. It should be your passion. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Ultimately, in time, your decisions will make you. First, you make your decisions, and ultimately, your decisions will make you. If I am ready for his return, first, I am not being shaped by the culture. Second, I'm walking by faith. Turn with me last time, I think it is, Hebrews 11, 7. Last verse, Hebrews 11, 7. I'm walking by faith. I can't get that song, Living by Faith. This is walking by faith. By faith, Noah, 11, 7 of Hebrews being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, move with fear. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the, of the righteousness which is by faith. Being warned of God, what was he warned about? Something he had not seen. Oh, I had Noah not seen. Rain. He had not seen rain. Had not rained until the time of the, the flood when the ark, no rain at all. The earth was watered with a mist. I believe it probably most likely a vapor canopy. You can find that in Genesis 1 and 2. He was warned. How do we find green tropical plants frozen under the ice in Antarctica? I believe it's a worldwide, I personally believe a worldwide cataclysmic flood. Uh, friends that we know from yesteryear are promoting it. Or something, it's called the Northern Hemisphere Flood. And I, I was uh, I'm disappointed. Still friends. I'm disappointed in that. I, if you, the, the scripture says that every mountain, it's all was covered by water. 
That's how we explain it. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You don't, faith is not intellectual suicide. It's not like, oh my goodness, to believe what that preacher, that bald-headed preacher was teaching, I can't believe in anything that's true from him. You know. No. It's not intellectual suicide. You're believing in evolution by simply by faith. I'm believing in what Christ says by the evidence that we have. His word, Yes. Evolution, by the way, is still a theory, a very bad one, but it's still a theory. It has gone from theory to red rock foundational truth without any at all evidence, except the ideology of man. Thirdly, I know I'll be ready for Christ's return if I have a godly fear. Same verse, godly fear. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen as yet, moved with fear, a reverence, a respect. Fear is not simply the product of emotionalism. Our emotions, devoid of truth, can be dangerous. People so often act on emotionalism, and they don't really know the truth. Well, those Jewish people are such terrible people. They, they just want to eradicate our, our, the uh, Palestinian people. Would you please read the book I'm reading about the Jewish history when I'm done with it, and you will find the truth. It is the Palestinians, I believe, five times have rejected overtures by Israel to live in peace. They don't want peace. They want Israel annihilated. And when we're done, they're coming for us, by the way. Coming for us. We say, Pastor, that's only about 5% of Muslim people are radical Islamists. Yes, and there's 1.7 billion. So these like 85 million radical Islamist people at only 5%. I'm telling you, we got to be ready. Fear, a godly fear. Interesting, at the end of 22, it says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God had commanded him, so did he. He marched to a different drum. Now, I'm not much into drums, except for maybe an orchestra. But he marched to a different beat. Not trying to boo drums. He marched to a different beat. It was like, well, I don't have to follow the world's culture. I can obey God, and it's going to be hard. I tell you, the easiest thing for a fish to do is to swim downstream. The hardest thing is for the salmon to swim upstream to where they're going to lay their eggs, etc. It's you and I, I'm telling you, when you start living for Christ, your life's going to get harder. Most likely. Unless you're not telling anybody. But when you live like the world, they don't even know you're a Christian. You're in God's secret service, which, by the way, there is none of that. should not be any. But how's your life? Does your life condemn people? Not your words. Don't give two cents for someone who even says they're a preacher pastor, and yet their behavior is so incongruous with what a Christian is. I, I, don't, I don't give two cents for that. Interesting, just reading just, just yesterday how that when Eisenhower was president, there was a little boy in, in uh, Denver, Colorado, who wrote in the paper his bucket list before there was a bucket list term was, I would love to meet the president. And so President Eisenhower, one Sunday morning, got in his limousine and drove up to that little house, I'm not sure how big the house was, knocked on the door, and the father met the president in jeans, a rough old t-shirt, and had like a day's growth, which was before it was popular, a day's growth of beard on his face, and the president and his son, little Paul, was right behind, the boy had terminal cancer, that's the story, so he wanted to meet the president before he died. And so the president walked right on in, and the little boy sat down, 
it was told, I just read about it, but it was told for many, many, many years afterwards, this wonderful story. And everybody was happy. But one person, the dad. You know why the dad was unhappy? The president came and he had on jeans, an old shirt, and a scruffy beard. And he met the president in that. I'm telling you, when Christ comes back, don't be in those clothes. It says in 1 John that when he appears, we will not, not to be ashamed. And we can only do that by living for him each day. Let us pray. Lord, may we not be ashamed. May our lives not be shameful to you. As we look into this, your book, it is so clear. Lord, your promises, you've kept them all. And you will keep them all, the ones you've not fulfilled yet. They will all be done. You will return. You will rule and reign. And there's a heaven to gain. We like all that. The Lord, on the same vein, there also is a hell to shun. Those who die in this life without Christ having forgiven their sin and them asking them to be their, his, their Savior will go to a Christless eternity, a place called hell. A term, a place that's fallen out of vogue and hardly any preacher even dares to preach about it anymore, but Lord, just as real as the heaven that we anticipate going to as Christians. So Lord, I don't know hearts. You do. I pray that you, if there's a, you've spoken to hearts through your Holy Spirit for salvation, first of all. There's no one, for someone here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, how that you came into the world to die for them. You, they must admit they are a sinner, believing you died on the cross, be believing that you came for them and were buried and gloriously raised from the dead by the power of God, and see, confess or call. They must confess their sin, repent. Salvation by grace through faith, believing what you have said about yourself and your word, and then calling upon you for salvation. That's the salvation story, the gospel message. Or perhaps they believe in their head, but they've never translated to the heart. May you... Help them today to get that settled. Baptism, church membership, if there's another need, Lord, please work in our hearts. Be with the invitation time, Lord, please. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.